about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What what crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and he surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, What will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Good morning, friends. It is a joy to be with you on this dark day, but it is a good day. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here. And it's just a joy to be talking to you about Jesus uh, on this good Friday. Once when I was working at a church on the other side of the bridge, on the leafier side, I was running very late one day and came into the church courtyard. And in front of me were a number of young men who were just hanging out, drinking and smoking, which is very normal for this graveyard every day of the week. But in that place was just extraordinary and odd. I walked up to this group of young lads and I said, guys, what brings you to church today? They mumbled some things, kept smoking and drinking, and eventually one of them looked up to me and said, well, we've come to see the priest. Like, well, sorry, we're an Anglican church, we don't really have confession, but I reckon I could maybe help you. Do you want to tell me what you came to do confession for? One of them, another one pipes up, well, we're, we're going to court tomorrow. And we've come to get everything sorted out. Then just keep mumbling, going on and on. And eventually one of them looks up to me. And, and you can see at the, in the depth of his eye the feeling he has. As he says, do you forgive me for everything I've done? It was a really interesting moment. That young man, as he looked at me, you could tell that the problem was not just the things that he had done. Because of what had happened or because of the things he had done with his hands, he felt in some way deeply unacceptable. He was going to walk into court the next day and be exposed and humiliated for the things he had done and for the person he had become. We're very familiar these days with cancel culture, with the idea that you don't just do a wrong thing and get punished for it. You get canceled for it. You get publicly humiliated and shamed and cut off from the things you once had. The experience of being shamed by another, being humiliated, feeling unacceptable and unworthy because of what we have done is a universal part of our experience. We've done things that have lessened our sense of humanity and lessened the humanity of others. We've had things done to us which make us feel the same. And so we're left feeling exposed, shamed, I want to talk about shame today because I think shame is at the heart of Good Friday. You cannot understand the cross 
without thinking about shame. The shame that Jesus received this day, but also our own shame. So let's journey with those two things as we think through this part of Luke. There's just a small part of that reading on the back of your handout. If you want to read along with me, we're going to just narrow in on a couple of things. You see, the first thing to see in this part of the passion narrative is the unspeakable shame of the crucifixion of Jesus. It's really important to understand that crucifixion was not just an awful way to die. It was not just violent and awful. It was a particular way of pulling apart someone's personal dignity, of demeaning and defacing them, and even of making them nothing. It was a radical, the radical act of shame. Crucifixion was in fact so shameful and loathful and disgusting that it was barely even even spoken of. And you see that a little bit in the passage today in the brevity of its explanation. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Everything else in this narrative has excruciating detail except this moment. Because to even mention a crucifixion was a literary faux pas. There aren't many mentions of it in any of the literature around the same time. Martin Hengel A scholar thinking of this says crucifixion was a horrific, disgusting business. The relative scarcity of references to crucifixions in antiquity are less a historical problem than an aesthetic one. Crucifixion was widespread and frequent, above all in Roman times. But the cultured literary world wanted to have nothing to do with it. And as a rule, kept quiet about it. So for the gospel writers to put the crucifixion at the climax, the summit of their biography of Jesus is radical. It's even a little bit foul. It is so wrong to put this at the center, this act of shame. Part of the shame you see in this narrative as it unfolds is the many crowds of people who sneer and mock Jesus. The people sneered at him. The soldiers mocked him. Even the criminals alongside him hurled insults at him. You see, crucifixion was a kind of perverse interactive theater. A type of entertainment where the watchers were actually part of the punishment. Their mocking and their demeaning was part of the dehumanizing and degrading of a person. This is how Rome got rid of insurrectionists. They strung them up, exposed them, and when everyone walked by and mocked them, they began to see less and less a human and more and more an animal nailed to a piece of wood. There is an unspeakable shame here. The violence, the nakedness, the exposure, the mocking, and the sneering. 
This was a way of declaring that this person was not even worthy of life. This is what the crowds decided Jesus deserved. As the narrative is told, this is what every human present decided Jesus deserved. To be exposed and shunned and rejected and shamed to receive the foulest death imaginable. Friends, we... we, cannot hide from the horror of this. We were a part of this. This was our verdict. We shared the same humanity of those who did it. Yet underneath this, and alongside it, through the thread of this narrative as it happens, There's gestures towards something else. There is this wonderful hidden glory, even in the crucifixion scene in its horror. It begins with the words of Jesus as he's nailed up. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're part of. They don't know the significance of this moment. Don't you love the composure, the serenity, the clarity of mind that Jesus has at this moment? He has his eye on something bigger happening that is beyond the shame. Even in the sneers of the people, you see them throw at him all the labels he had for himself. God's Messiah, the Chosen One, if you are the King of the Jews, save yourself written above him was, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals said, aren't you the Messiah? All of these different ways of labeling his royalty, his kingship, his dignity, his place in God's purposes and plans. Even amongst the mocking and sneering, you can't escape the fact that Jesus was someone to God. Significant and powerful, yet as these are labeled on him, they just don't work with the shame of what is happening. What helps us finally, perhaps, are Jesus' final words and the words of those who watch him die. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, talking to the other criminal, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And later the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. There are a few people looking on who see Jesus, who hear the sneering calls, and who just think, I don't think what is happening fits this man. I don't think that what has befallen him is what he truly deserves. He is righteous and he is innocent. And then it all comes together in the final words of Jesus as he says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his 
last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Words of a man dying, handing back his essence to his maker. Yes. But also the prayer of a psalm. Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. With these words, Jesus reveals the fullness of this scene. He is not just an animal who's been nailed up. He is the Messiah who is faithfully walking through shame that is not his own, bearing it, the mocking and the violence and the pain, trusting that God will deliver him into glory. Hidden in the horror of the cross is Jesus' path to his kingship, his glory and his power. The shame that he bears on the cross is not his own. It is ours. As we see him dehumanized, we see our greatest fears. When we see him made unworthy, we see our unworthiness. When we see him made unacceptable, we see our own unacceptability where we see him mocked and exposed and humiliated, we see where our choices finally ought to lead. The hidden glory of the cross is that Jesus, on the way to his own glorious kingship, bears your shame with him. It does not fit him. It fits me. And it fits you. But the wonder of the crucifixion, the goodness of Good Friday, is that the crucifixion allows us to trade our shame for his glory. Do you see what the the, the thief says to him as he deliberates with him about who he is? Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here is this criminal who is receiving what he deserves from his own lips, that's what he says, who is at his absolute shameful despised worst who has nothing is going nowhere and will be forgotten alienated by all and he asks Jesus if he could hitch a ride into his glory remember me do not leave me in this shame bring me with you into your glory And Jesus says, yes, 
today you will be with me in paradise. This is where the ugliness and the glory of the cross collide. As we are able to trade our shame for his glory because he traded his glory for our shame. After this moment, the, the, the scene goes dark as it's not just the human mocking that comes and alienation, but the alienation from God himself. And the, the curtain temple is ripped in two. The, the curtain that separated the glory of God from the sinfulness of man, the glory of God from the shame of humanity, the glory of God from our unacceptability and unworthiness, torn into by the death of Jesus. We can trade our shame for his glory. You know, those boys that day in the courtyard who asked whether I could forgive them, I said to them, you know, I can't, but I know one who can. And they laughed at me. And well may they might have. Who was I to be able to say something like that to them in whatever they'd experienced and done? But as Jesus says it today, from the depth of shame and judgment himself, be assured that whatever you think you are, whatever you have done, whatever has been done to you, however unworthy, unacceptable, shamed you think you are, humiliated you think you might become, Jesus has borne it and offers you his glory in return. So in the depth of whatever is inside you today, hitch a ride to his glory. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.